I'm Michelle. And I'm Rob. And this is Two, Two Librarians, librarians Walk into a Shelf. Welcome to episode 24. Today we're talking about something that Rob is kind of new to, kind but of. not romance novels. No, I'm old hat on that one. <laughs> what are we doing today? Today we're going to look at some YA, some young adult fiction. It's not a genre that I was 100% comfortable with. I always looked at it as like little kid stuff. I'll explain that, why I felt that way. But you suggested we, we, we try it out. I found something and I really enjoyed it. Well, good. I'm glad so. to hear that. I'm just going to talk a little bit about what makes a YA novel a YA novel. It's not necessarily the age of the main character, but generally speaking, in a YA novel, your main character is going to be between the ages of like 14 and 18. But there are adult fiction novels out there with characters, protagonists of that age. So it's not necessarily the age, but you're not going to usually see a YA fiction told from the perspective of an old person. Okay. And by old, I mean someone over than 20. Right. Yeah. The voice of a YA novel is going to be different than a novel marketed towards adults. It establishes itself through the concerns, motivations, and inner thoughts of the protagonists and through the style in which the story is written. So a teenager has different motivations and worries. How they think about their problems is going to be different than a grown person. So the motivation of a teenager is not going to be the same as the motivation of like a 40-year-old housewife. Right. Uh, you're going to notice that YA novels are more action and plot focused rather than reflective or like a lyrical style. You're not going to see a whole lot of YA novels written in that like literature style of fiction that people gravitate toward when they get older. And YA relies on a sense of urgency or immediacy in the story itself. Uh, I think it's to keep the reader hooked. But there's not a whole lot of reflections on the past. There's not a whole lot of musings about the future. It's what's happening right now. The way that relationships between people, friendships and romantic relationships uh, is going to be discussed and portrayed different in a YA novel. Most YA novels are going to be relationship focused. And that also means romantic relationships. So there will be sexual experiences portrayed in YA novels, but they're usually less explicit than an adult novel. And again, the motivations of a teenager are going to be different than the motivations of an adult. So they're typically like awkward experiences. There are YA novels that kind of explore that a little more, but most of the time it's an awkward experience and it's kind of like glossed over. But what you won't see determining a YA novel is the reading level because most adult fiction is written on like an eighth or ninth grade reading level anyway. So the, y the difference between that and a YA novel, there is none. Most adult fiction and YA novels are about a ninth grade reading level. Okay. So that doesn't change. Like the plot may be a little bit more simple, in a YA novel to keep the reader interested, but the use of words, the structure of paragraphs aren't going to be less than an adult fiction. Do you think that's because they're targeted at younger people than age 15 to 18, that they want maybe curious 11, 12, 13-year-olds to pick them up and read them so they're written on that level? Yeah. I mean, like take Percy Jackson and Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. we, we count those as YA novels at the library, but- if you look at the age, the age range of people that read those, they start pretty young. You know, the first Harry Potter and the first Percy Jacksons, they're on an eighth grade reading level, sixth to eighth grade, depending on who, you know, which rating system you're looking at. Right. So like a fifth grader is probably going to be able to deal with that and be okay with it. 
the hard part about finding a book for a kid in that fifth grade, sixth grade range is you don't want to find them a baby book, but you don't want to find them a book that there's too many words they don't know. Right. Because then they don't like reading because they don't understand it. But yeah, YA is going to be about a ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade reading level. And so is most of what you find in our fiction shelves, just the regular adult fiction. These are your first YA novels that you've read since like the 90s, right? Yeah, probably the early 90s. Wow. All right. So and here's where I came to find what I found. Uh, Overdrive offers a look at genres, you know, subject, and I picked horror to see what was available. And, of course, it's all Stephen King, Joe Hill, Dean Koontz, you know, just like a bookstore. But as you go down a little bit, this one title kept showing up, but it just didn't look like the type of novel that I would read. Okay. It's called Prom Date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's in the horror, so I immediately see something called Prom Date and think it's slasher, but it's just it's just got a picture of some messed up dresses. So like I knew instinctively that it was probably a YA horror, a YA slasher type. But then when you said let's talk about them, I'm like, let me give it a try. So I read Prom Date from 1996 by Diane Ho. The story starts with a group of four girls, age 12 who make a blood pact to be friends forever. Then we jump forward to present time, circa 1996, (laughs) and we meet our main character, Margaret Dunn, who works in this dress shop with her mom, Adrian. Uh, Adrian manages the shop for her silent partners. It's called Quartet. She's got three silent partners. Not only does she manage it and work it every day, but Adrian also stocks the store with dresses that she hand makes and designs herself. This seems like a bad business model to me, but slasher stories never depend on logic to tell their stories, and it works. So Margaret has three close friends, Caroline, Janine, and Lacey, and none of them have ever gone to prom. They spend each prom night together, but secretly each one of them wants to attend prom. The pops, and that's the word used for the popular girls or the popular kids, rule the school and rule the prom. They are Kiki. Liza, Beth, and Stephanie, all but Kiki, come to quartet for their prom dresses as their moms are the silent partners with Adrian. So immediately something is amiss when the dresses Liza, Beth, and Stephanie picked out are found ruined in the alley behind the store. Then, at a class picnic, Margaret talks to a popular boy, Mitch, who seems to like her. They go up on the lighthouse, which is supposed to be off-limits because it's dangerous. After they leave, someone lures Stephanie to the top of the lighthouse with the information that her boyfriend, Michael, is cheating on her. When Stephanie gets upset, she grabs the old rusty railing, which snaps, and she falls, barely catching herself. So whoever is up at the lighthouse steps with Stephanie, decides it's easier to nudge the terrified young girl to the water below with the tip of her polished shoes than to help her back up. Uh Stephanie's body is soon found thereafter. Shocked, the student body has no idea who got Stephanie to go to the top of the lighthouse as she hated the lighthouse. Mitch asks Margaret to the prom, and instead of being happy for her, her friends diss her, especially Caroline, who is crazy upset because she doesn't have a date. The pops start paying more attention to Margaret, more trying to figure out why Mitch would want to take her out than really wanting to know her. Then this book kicks into high gear, and we get a little bit of everything. We get... Razor-sharp, mean girl snark, multiple attack by person or persons unknown, 
Dumpster Flambe, The Gratuitous Murder of an Alley Cat, Gratuitous Face Smashing, Bestie Gone Wild, and a list of suspects a mile long that includes Caroline. No idea why anyone is her friend as she's the most miserable, unhappy, and annoying character in this entire book. Beth, one of the pops who dreams of being the prom queen to the point of drawing weird pictures of herself as the prom queen. (laughs) Manifesting. (laughs) Liza, the type of girl who dates college guys and believes the world was made for her and her alone. One of those, Daddy, I want an Oompa Oompa and I want it now types. Kiki, she's super stuck up, snotty, shallow, and not concerned with anyone's well-being except for Mitch's. Why would he ask Margaret out? Also... She wears highly polished shoes. Oh. And then Janine and Lacey, they claim to be Margaret's friends, but why are they flirting with Michael at Stephanie's funeral? <laughs> Anyone can be the killer and everyone can be the killer. It comes to a, which one wants a date to the prom bad enough. This is a perfect example of what I think of when I think of a young adult book, especially a young adult horror novel. Uh, it's basically a PG-13 horror movie. And here we are in definite slasher territory, but being PG-13, it never gets over the top. And our fiend rarely utilizes Jason Voorhees-esque mayhem for in dispatching victims. While it doesn't deliver any real scares or over-the-top graphic mayhem, it is certainly readable and enjoyable stalk and slash tale. I got way into it and even tried figuring out who the demented killer was. I didn't figure it out. I've always given YA fiction a bad rap because I accidentally picked up one of Christopher Pike's YA horror novels decades ago thinking it was a straight-up slasher and was horribly disappointed as none of my expectations were met. With Prom Date, I knew what I was getting into. I told myself I was probably going to hate it, and I ended up really enjoying it for what it was. Are these books related to Goosebumps at all? Uh, Sort of, kind of, yeah. This was actually a part of a series from Scholastic, that started in 1991 called The Point Horror. So some people might be familiar with those if they were reading that kind of stuff when they were kids. And it reprinted some previous YA horror novels, one being R.L. Stein's uh, Blind Date, and that's the book that really launched his career. And I think when it came back out on the Point Horror series, it got to be really popular, and then he started cranking them out like sausages. But <laughs> uh, Diane Ho, uh, Richie Tanksir Lee Cusick, Christopher Pike, Carolyn Cooney, they all wrote titles for the series. Uh, a lot of people did. They really had careers in the YA uh, doing horror and whatnot. Just like popular fiction, the Point Horror series included a lot of novels with titles that were the same or similar to popular horror movies. And I think that was to draw a young horror crowd in. Prom Date certainly recalls the Jamie Lee Curtis slasher Prom Night, and other titles include Funhouse, Fog, Final Exam, April Fools, Trick or Treat, The Hitchhiker, Camp Fear, Night School, Halloween Night. The list just goes on and on like that. Camp Fear was, I think, the most popular one that I remember from like middle school. Really? Okay. Yeah, like that was the, that's the title that I remember okay. seeing in the library, seeing people read it. I was not, I was not reading these. Well, <laughs> I knew they were popular. They were. And I went online to look this stuff up, and a lot of people seem to be going back to them and reading them as adults and kind of having fun with them again. Prom Date was released in 96, and I don't know if the release had anything to do with the success of Wes Craven's Scream that same year, but they kind of seem to go hand in hand, and there's even a a point in Prom Date uh, that's very self-aware-like Scream where one character says, literally says, or thinks, 
This one's at one of those disgusting teen horror films where the girl was so desperate for a date, she took a chainsaw to anyone who stood in her way. This was real life. So that right there is pretty much like Scream. Yeah. Diane Ho enjoyed some popularity that year, and three of her previous point horror books, Funhouse, The Fever, The Invitation, were released into one collection. Also around this time, a very loose film adaptation of Lois Duncan's 70s novel, I Know What You Did Last Summer, was a huge success and brought that book and others back into print, and that resulted in more film adaptations of her work. So it was, a, it was all it was feeding itself between the movies and the books. It was all very popular. I guess I didn't realize I Know What You Did Last Summer was a book. Yeah, it was a YA book from, I believe, 71. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, the original covers for Prom Date really look like classic slasher movie type poster art. Uh, one I found has a, a prom crown that's fallen into the ocean. And it's kind of covered in seaweed. I like that one. Uh, the other one has two kids at prom. They're sort of dancing. The girl's kind of looking right at you, and she's kind of sinister. Like, <laughs> how did she get this date? The tagline was, she'd kill for a date. Oh. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. I think if they were to redo this now, it should be a guy. Because I think guys would probably kill for a prom date before a woman would, before yeah, a girl sure. did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so if ever they redo prom date, maybe they'll, maybe they'll change that around. Uh, it's fun. It's fast. I found it on Overdrive and Libby. And again, I was going through the horror selection, and, and that's where I found it. I didn't see any others from this line or okay. from Ho, but... On Hoopla, you can search Point Horror, and half a dozen titles come up, but then when you click onto the individual authors, then a whole bunch of them come up. So, oh, neat. Yeah, so if you're wanting to revisit that, if that's if that was your jam in middle school, these are really fast to get through. Uh, maybe you want to check a couple of those out and just have fun. So I'm, I'm very happy that I revisited the world of the YA horror slasher novels. I really enjoyed it. When I knew what I was getting myself into. Good. Uh, I'd like to think these books were a gateway for many young people to kind of ease into horror fiction and Definitely. horror movies. And, uh, you know, they're perfect for, for kids that want to kind of get some horrors but not anything too gross. And, and if you're an adult that want, you want the same thing but without a lot of gratuitous, gritty, greasy violence and whatnot, I think they're per- perfect for that. Perfect for that. So I had fun with it. Yeah, I, I think... I think a lot of media has lost that it can be scary and creepy and horrifying without being gratuitous. Right. And if this one's not scary, like giving the creeps, it definitely makes you look at your friends. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what Becky would do for a date, or I wonder what Jim would do to go out with Becky. You know, it's like, hmm, there might be something terrifying that we don't see. Interesting. And again, I didn't guess who the killer was. They set up so many people, and that's a classic trope of the slasher mm-hmm. uh, story. Everyone's suspicious. Everyone's suspicious. Everyone's could be the killer. And it just worked. And it was fun. You know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. I had fun with it. So Okay. I did start another one, which was recommended to me by Eileen, uh, Rotters by Daniel Krauss. And it's uh, definitely a different kind of YA. It's not what I would consider. I'd almost consider it more of an adult fiction. But after talking to you, I, I realized that it still falls into the YA. It's a little bit more graphic. 
in the language. It's definitely darker. It's grittier. It involves a boy moving from Chicago to rural Iowa after his mother dies, and he lives with his father, who he's never known. And the kids at school, his new school, start giving him, start hassling him, giving him a problem a bit because his dad's the garbage man, mm. and uh, he doesn't know what they're talking about. But he does know that his dad's kind of a dirty fella. There's kind of a weird funk coming off of him in his house, and it's definitely about a, a young person dealing with something traumatic, and then having to start a new life with a parent they don't know. So it's definitely in that YA world. It's just it. It's totally different than it's totally different than prom date, and it's uh, different than what I would have considered for a YA. But uh, I am enjoying that one too, and that one I found on Hoopla. There I has believe. been a trend in the past decade of YA to kind of go away from glossing over or making things glossier than they would be in real life, and maybe a more grittier, realistic portrayal of things that kids can go through, so that. Kids can see themselves in the book. Right. So it, you know, 90s YA was definitely, like I said, glossier, tamed down, you know, like maybe even like sticky sweet, even if they were dealing with something difficult. The trend now is just kind of tell it how it is. So Yeah, the wrap up to prom date, I was a little bit like, what? (laughs) And everybody lived happily ever after, right? Well, more or less. Yeah. Almost. They they don't do that so much anymore. I didn't read a lot of YA this year because, like I've said, I didn't feel like I read a whole lot this year to, to begin with, and I wasn't reading a lot of YA, and I don't really know why, but I'm going to discuss my all-time favorite YA books. So if you're like interested in reading YA, don't know where to start, and if these sound interesting, these are excellent examples of the genre, and I think they're just excellent reads. Uh, the first one is called Places No One Knows. It's by Brenna Yovanoff. There's a little bit of magic. You have your protagonist, Waverly. She's... It sounds like she has, I think they've diagnosed her actually in the book as having Asperger's. So she struggles with social situations, reading other people's reactions and knowing how to react herself to what's going on. But her best friend her whole life is like a popular girl. So like Waverly, even though she struggles with these things, her best friend has like helped her along the way. And so she's like student council, popular girl, like SGA president, student council, all that kind of stuff. But she's kind of becoming disillusioned by all the popular girl stuff. And she's kind of seeing through that her best friend actually is kind of a hard-to-like person and not nice to other people. And one night, while Waverly is, like, contemplating all this and, like, how does she get out of this stuff? She's tired of it. She falls asleep, and in her dream, she ends up in the room of, like, a loser boy. Like, a boy in her class that she, you know, that, ha-ha, he's a loser. And they become friends through, like, she, like, visits him in, in her dream state or whatever. And through... Seeing the world through his eyes, like he's talking to her about his life and she's talking to him about her, she realizes like his problems are worse. Like, you know, she comes from a family with lots of resources. He comes from a family without any and maybe his parents aren't necessarily great parents. And by the end of the book, she kind of gives up her popular life. They don't, I don't want to tell the end, but okay, <laughs> I don't want to give it all don't away. Don't give it away, don't give it but away. But what I think makes this book... A great example of a good YA is just how moody and melancholy the whole, like the voice of Waverly as the main character in this book is so teenagery, right? Like it's moody, it's melancholy. Yes, it just felt like being a teenager. And by the end of the book, as she like kind of finds herself and learns about the world and everything at the end of the book, you get like this, uh, I call it a book hangover. 
Right. Like when a book sits with you for a while, the feelings it leaves you with. Sure. It was a great book hangover. Not a sad one, but like a satisfying one. I tend to like books with a little magic or mystery or supernatural stuff in them. So you'll probably notice a theme in my picks. The next is a series. It's the Raven Cycle series by Maggie Stiefvater. And any of my coworkers know I've been trying to get everybody in the whole dang branch to read these books forever. Yep. I will be an evangelist for them. I talked about this one in the Not So Scary Books uh, podcast that we did in October, but it's an all-time favorite. The description of the first book I think is so good. It starts with, Every year, Blue Sargent stands next to her clairvoyant mother as the soon-to-be-dead walk past. Blue herself never sees them, not until this year when a boy emerges from the dark and speaks directly to her. The book follows Blue and four boys that she meets from a rich private boarding school in town as they search for a dead Welsh king in the Virginia countryside. There's magic, there's tarot readings, there's hitmen, there's dream creatures, there's ghosts, there's magical forest where trees speak Latin, and there's the missteps and learning that take place as teenagers from very different walks of life try to maintain friendships and boundaries, and it's mostly about them being friends. And the magic and the weird and the clairvoyant mother and the tarot readings and the hitmen are all kind of, they're there, but the meat of the story is how they're friends with each other. I just, I love it. And the audio is excellent. The narrator is just, he sounds so very Southern in the best way. The next is another series. It's a duology. The first one is Six of Crows by uh, Lee Bardugo. The second one is Crooked Kingdom. And Lee Bardugo is another one of my favorite authors, YA or not. She's done some YA. She's done some adult stuff. She writes her characters so realistically in each of the, at least the characters in this book, they each have something they're almost trying to hide from the rest of the characters. So like the main character, he has a cane, but he doesn't like to act like he really needs it. So it's kind of like nobody knows if he really needs it, but he really does need it. And they're all just trying to hide something from their past or something about themselves from each other. The core of this book is a heist book. Oh, I know you like that. Yes, I love a good heist, and this is a heist. So it's like teenagers growing up in basically the seedy underbelly of this fantasy town that's you know run by robber barons, basically, and they live in the criminal part, and they're you know criminals. And the main char- the main character Kaz, he's like he runs like a a gang of you know teenager thieves or whatever. Someone brings him this heist job. And he's got to put together his team to go take, take care of this heist. And it's just, it's full of action. And the heist is, it's fun, but it's set in like this, the world that Lee Bardugo has created is based on like Russian folklore. So the magic is a little different than what we think of like traditional fantasy magic. And the words are kind of hard to pronounce because there's lots of consonants put together. So if you try to read it and then try to listen to the audiobook, you're like, there's no way that's how that's pronounced, but that's how you pronounce it. But she's done a, a few series like in that same universe. They all like the strange magic is like alchemy and science experiments and weird drugs to enhance your powers. And I don't know. It's just fun and different. And you want to root for each of the characters, even though they're not necessarily always likable. They hook you and you just really want them to succeed in what they're doing. So I think people should read those whether they like YA or fantasy or not. I think I end up choosing YA a lot of times because the drama involved in YA 
is so far removed from the drama of my everyday life that I feel like I'm escaping. <laughs> sure. Like, I don't want to read. Like, I know that there are, like, Big Little Lies. The show they created from that book was really great, but I couldn't read the book because it's like, this is mom PTA drama. Right. I can't read this. This is stuff that happens. Like, maybe not necessarily the murder mystery part, but, like, all of the other, like, so-and-so stole my casserole dish or whatever, you know, like, that kind of stuff. It's too close to, like, what actually happens in my regular everyday life. So it's, like, teenagers falling in love or learning how to be friends with somebody that's not exactly like you. Or maybe you're a criminal teenager pickpocket and you're on a heist or whatever. But, like, their motivations, their problems are so far removed from what I would be dealing with right now in my life that I can fully escape into it. Do you think it's because they exist in what was a simpler time of our lives when we were younger and we didn't have this? So you can always pick up one of those books and read it and instantly kind of get back into that vibe and just enjoy it for what they are. I think so. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I think I think that's why for a long time I really only read YA. Really? I just Because a lot of the stuff that was coming out, like there was a Celeste Ng book that was just turned into a, a TV series. Little Fires Everywhere. With okay. Reese Witherspoon. Right. I watched the series. It was full of drama, you know, like arson, teenagers getting into trouble. But like, I can't read that. I can watch that, but I can't read that. <laughs> As we continue to talk, there's two authors that I have popped into my mind that I think maybe would kind of be considered YA authors. I've never read them like that. Okay. So let me ask you, I'm thinking specifically of Ray Bradbury. Something Wicked This Way Comes. He has a very lyrical whimsy to his stories, and it's always usually about younger people because he's always writing about something that he experienced in his past or something. Mm -hmm. And then Neil Gaiman, specifically the Graveyard Book, which I read and truly felt a Bradbury vibe that no one else has ever captured. But when I think about those two specific books, uh, Graveyard Book and Something Wicked This Way Comes, like almost kind of fall into this, maybe Something Wicked because there's an older, the older dad, I think it's Jim's dad, who's dealing with getting older and he doesn't like it. Maybe that's a character not usually associated with YA, but uh, would those be kind of YA? Maybe I've been reading YA longer than I thought and just don't consider those They YA? do assign Bradbury books in high schools a lot. Like they put those on, maybe they're not necessarily on the required reading list, but they always show up on the like, if you're, you know, like you have to read this one and then here's a list of 20 titles. You have to read one more from this. Right. And also it's like, those are easy, like intro to sci-fi kind of things. Like those, you definitely give those to teenagers who are moving out of YA and into adult. Right. What year was that one published? Uh, Something Wicked? Yeah. I want to say like 1962. Oh, I was going to say 63. Okay. You know, like, what was YA in 1962? Like, Are You There, God Is Me, Margaret? You know what I mean? Right. So they didn't really, like, The Outsiders is the first actual, like, what we think of now as YA. And that Because was, even Judy Bloom now is considered young, like, juvenile. And when was The Outsiders? Later on in the 60s? It's a 1967 novel. Okay. Oh, okay. The movie's on the 80s. Yeah. I think the movie was um, so. Essie Hinton wrote The Outsiders first, and then wrote several other YAs, and those are considered to be the first like YA, like we think of YA now. Okay. So it's possible that if Bradbury had been writing 15 years later, he would have been a YA writer, and not what we consider to be like a classic of American literature. 
Okay. That's interesting. That yeah, is. And so, but Neil Gaiman, he kind of writes everything. He writes a little bit of everything. He's one of my all-time favorite authors. So have you read the Graveyard Book? Yeah, I love it. Uh, it was great. You should read um, The Ocean at the End of the Lane if you like the Graveyard Book. Okay. It's creepier. Because Graveyard Book is juvenile. It's in the, in the kids section. Gotcha. It's still great. You should, everyone should read it. It's amazing. I'm uh, thinking of different fantasies like movies that are written like YA, like Beetlejuice would definitely, if that was a book. Oh, yeah. Even though it's about an older couple, the focus is on the Winona Ryder character as she comes into that story. Yeah. Okay. Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Oh. Maybe I've not realized that I've been enjoying some YA in different Maybe, ways. Probably. Yeah. I don't think Neil Gaiman has like a specific YA novel, but I know a lot of things that he does that he like partners with artists and does graphics, they end up as YA graphics. Okay. Yeah, you should read Ocean at the End of the Lane. It's short. You'll get through that really quick. Anyway, but yeah, YA, it's great. It's a nice escape, especially if you don't want to read about the drama that might mirror something that's happening in your everyday life. That was nice. Prom date was about getting a date to the prom. What would you do to get yeah. a date to the prom? And that was like, I remember when stuff like that was the most important thing. Not necessarily in my life, but I remember how it was a big deal to uh, siblings, to friends. I'm sure just, you were a ladies' man. You didn't have any trouble getting I didn't. Ha- I didn't. I didn't. I, I just, you know, I, <laughs> I grew my mustache, and they were like, oh, he can probably buy us some liquor, and we'll go to prom. <laughs> um, but I just remember the, the sweet simplicity of big deals when you're a kid. Like, it always yes. revolved around something that if, you, if it didn't happen, it was the end of the world. And now you look at... Real problems like ah, I got to keep the heat on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish the hardest thing in life right now was just getting a day to prom. So yeah, another appliance broke. What? Oh. I don't even have a dress. So I did enjoy that aspect of of just taking your brain out and going back to a different time yeah. in all our lives. It's a nice way to escape for me for sure. Like it, YA novels, it's always an escape. It's never too real. No. <laughs> even even the ones that aren't like fantasy. Netflix adapted a series of books to start with um, To All the Boys I Loved Before. And those are sweet. Those are fun to read. Jenny Han is the author. And they're even, you know, it's like a girl dealing with like family stuff. Sister moves away. Younger sister. Friends at school. And then like the drama of crushes and boys. Sounds like the reverse version of Dawson's Creek. Yes, it's definitely more wholesome than Dawson's Creek. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good talk about YA. Yeah. Uh, check but it remember, out. no matter what they say, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. Bye. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.